Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and with me today is my co-host, Nick Costco. Welcome back, Nick. Hey, thank you very much. Looking forward to this little series we're going to launch off here today. Absolutely. And what we're going to do, well, why don't you tell people what we're going to do here, Nick? Well, uh, the uh, the late R. Nelson Nash um, shared a lot of his gifts with us. He did it in a, in a few different uh, medias. Uh, and, and one of them was, uh, I believe it was his last work, was a book called The Case for IBC that he wrote with uh, two of his brilliant cohorts, uh, uh, Carlos Laura and uh, the Dr. Robert Murphy, um, the, the, the esteemed economist. And they wrote this book together, uh, The Case for IBC, How to Succeed from Our Current Monetary Regime, One Household at a Time. And you can find that at infinitebanking.org. But um, those guys, they put together this real simple book. A lot of people say, hey, Becoming Your Own Banker is a technical book or whatnot. Uh, we think it's a brilliant textbook, but uh, this is just seven stories in this book. Uh, it's seven examples of how you can take control of the banking function in your life. And so what Jim and I are going to do over the next, uh, you know, we'll have some different episodes uh, broken up in here. We'll, we'll have some guests and whatnot, but we're going to just go through each chapter of this book. And uh, as Nelson said, it's all about how we think. And so just like right on cue, but we're going to do the, the first example has to do with thinking like a business owner. And uh, we're just going to walk through uh, an example of how a business owner thinks about money. Um, we're going to do this in a, in a video format. It'll be on a YouTube channel. You can watch this. we got a presentation. Um, and if you want to talk about it later on, schedule a, a meeting with us. And, and uh, we're happy to, to uh, answer your questions about it. But uh, we've got a little PowerPoint here. We're going to walk through. Jim's going to walk you through it. Um, and um, so without any further ado, Jim, why don't you take it away? All right. Thank you, Nick. Um, you know, and Nick, if you remember, Nelson would always say that you need to be in two businesses. Right. He would say it that way. The business that you are in to, to make a living, right? And the banking business. Yep. So when we think about this as a business, there's a reason why we're setting this up with the first chapter. Because um, business owners tend to get infinite banking before other people or in a bigger way than other people. Yeah. Have you noticed that in your career, Nick? Uh, absolutely. When we're talking to a business owner, we're not trying to convince them uh, about taking ownership and being a business owner. We're showing them how to sharpen their the tools, so to speak. Uh, but when it's just like me, when I first came into this, I really wasn't a business owner. Um, and it wasn't by chance that Nelson starts off uh, becoming your own banker with challenging the way you've, you've thought uh, yeah. up to that point. Well, because, you know, business owners think in the, they think about cash flow and they appreciate cash flow. And so uh, Robert Kiyosaki, he tries to get people to think cash flow, right? With this great game, cash flow. <laughs> and, um, and, and, but most people don't think about that. 
and they think of when they think of cash flow, all they think about is the cash flowing away from them. But we also have to account for the cash flow flowing to us, right? That's right. So let's let's jump into our um, to our um, business here. Okay, so we have XYZ company. And all businesses kind of work on um, a beginning and an end to the year. Now, not, nothing ever ends. It just kind of rolls, but there's a measurement. You know, and again, we've had uh, the great author um, of uh, the 12-week year, um, uh, Michael Lennington. Uh, is, that, is that right? That's right. That's right. See? Uh, and uh, <laughs> I had to think about that for a second just this morning. Um, but we have, uh, and you know, so we're going to look at this as 12 months. Okay. Now, most businesses, the small businesses really run January to December, right? That's how they do their books. And a small business is a business under 500, but also, you know, we don't, I mean, to run a business and really understand how this works, you need some employees, right? And we have uh, a few businesses like this. Now, what's the goal? Profit, right? Profit. Sure. Profit. And as, as, uh, as the guys uh, point out in the book, no good deed goes unpunished by the IRS. So if you have a profit, what else do you have? You got the tax man. You got the tax man, right? And the residual or net profit is really what we're after, right? Yeah. Okay, so here's the interesting thing about businesses. Most businesses are seasonal, right? Rhythm, rhythm to the business. Yeah, so your, your sales and your revenue come in and you know maybe you're in landscaping or maybe you're building decks, maybe you're, you know, whatever it is, construction, you know, here in Florida, they, I can tell you they do not slow down on construction. Uh, but in <laughs> up north, maybe in the middle, you know, in South Dakota, I can tell you for sure, there's not a lot of outdoor building going on in the middle of winter. Well, and, and you got some businesses uh, that, you know, outlines in the book, they do 65% of their sales might happen in the last two months of the year. Like it's, it's you stole it's, my next part of my slide, Nick. I know. I was just, <laughs> it, it, you got to wait, pushing. Nick, you got to wait for the presentation to go along. Right. <laughs> But <laughs> that was the cue to hit hit next. Okay, I got it. I got it. So what happens though, we got to talk about how so our money comes in, right? Our accounts receivables or ARs, they come in the sales revenue, they come in not consistently. That's right. Now, seasonally, and there's I can give you many uh, uh, examples of this in, in, in the businesses that I'm involved in. But yeah, some businesses as much as if you think of a business that really relies on uh, Christmas or something like that, or it could be, you know, businesses in your town in Louisville, Kentucky, that might be surrounding the Derby. I mean, they're having a ton of their revenue coming in in a short period of time. That's right. But, you know, um, as this comes in or as that stuff comes in erratically, a lot of our expenses, like, I mean, the two, two that are one of the biggest expenses most businesses have are payroll and maybe rent. Now, there's a lot of other expenses, but they tend to be more consistent, right? More, um, 
right. every month they come in. It's not like somebody's going to say, hey, why don't you just pay me in those in those really good months and I'll work the whole year, right? Right, right. The landlord wants his check every month. Absolutely. Yeah, don't, don't we know that? Okay, <laughs> so what that means is when you buy something, or I mean, sorry, when, when you sell something, right? And when you sell something, there's a transfer of ownership but there's not always, there's a very rarely immediate payment. In fact, you're really extending credit to the to your customers that you're selling stuff to, right? Yeah, yeah, just like the guy that was sitting here doing work at my house the last two weeks. He hasn't paid me yet, but he's certainly done a lot of work. Right, right, so it could be 30, 60, even 90 days. Yeah. And some of those questions or some of those conversations after 90 days can get pretty, pretty uh, tense, right? <laughs> now, here's the other thing. You also have things payables, right? You have accounts payable that you need to, your suppliers, like how you get stuff to sell or perform uh, uh, your, whatever your company does to, you know, for your, for the ultimate you know, the, the consumer or whoever you're selling to, but you have to go get these things that you're selling to your, um, your customer. Right. Right. Now, when we do that, they'll normally, you know, again, there's a transfer of ownership, right. Yeah. And we, they become a creditor of ours. So we have, uh, um, people that we owe money and they have, and, and, and there are people that owe us money. And it's yeah. that dance of, hey, well, we haven't gotten paid, so we can't pay you. That doesn't go over very well in business. No, you talk to a business owner, and it's like their whole universe is is wrapped around uh, the, the 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 seesaw of ARs and APs, and you just use those two terms right there with a business owner, and uh, you're going to find out how good their their cash flow is by how stressed they get when you bring that up. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the thing is, is that that's where, uh, you know, really where accounting comes in and making sure that we have the right uh, people on the bus, right. And, and one of the things that we end up doing because of this dance, is we end up getting some kind of credit for our merchandise right? They'll go buy merchandise or whatever it is. Now they'll, like I said, sometimes they'll give us 30 days, but we're going to need to manage cash flow. We believe we need a commercial bank and commercial banks are going to give us what we really want our lines of credit. And yeah. sometimes they're loans like on equipment, you know, equipment loans and things like that. But for cash flow management, we go down and we put our, you know, we go down and we hire a commercial bank. Right now, here's a couple of things about that lines of credit. There aren't any terms, right? They just expect you to, to pay down that line of credit. What happens if you don't pay down the line of credit? Mm, they, they, they may convert that thing to a note. That's right. Or what else would they do? Uh, call it, call it. And they, and you know, they, when they convert it to notes, if you're really in trouble, but you're somebody that your company's in trouble, but you're somebody that have assets, they may want personal guarantees on your personal assets, everything else, which, you know, most business owners, including myself, don't want to put a personal guarantee and risk our personal assets for the business, right? Right. 
Here's the other thing. They want you to take all of your revenues and your ARs and put it in their bank. Yep. Now, if you haven't watched our video on how banks make money and that doesn't make sense to you or you don't go, yeah, well, we know why they want to do that because I've watched the video. <laughs> if you watch that video, you'll see why they want to do that. That's right. Okay. So if you think about it, that merchandise, there could be liens against that, right? It could be like if it were land or property that, you know, they, your merchandise could back up that loan is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, for the personal bank or for the, for the commercial bank, not the personal bank. You know, it could be your personal guarantee, right? You have a lot of assets or you have a lot of uh, uh, income. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to want that maybe. They, or they'll take your equipment. So the bottom line is in a bankruptcy, the bank is a secured creditor. They're not going to give you more money than all of these things added up, right? They're going to make sure that they've got their money. Sure. Now, the supplier, they're unsecured creditors. And in a bankruptcy, they might get a few, you know, a few pennies on the dollar, 10 cents on the dollar, 20 cents on the dollar. But they're not going to get all of their money back. No, right? no they're almost never made whole. So if we need this bank, right? But then when we, when we employ the bank, then the bank really has this big hammer over our heads and they, they are the, uh, the gatekeeper and toll taker, meaning they're going to charge us for that, right? And they decide if we get to stay in business or not. Yeah. It's not a great position to be in. Yeah, they pier they basically pierced they pierced your business. The banks, you know, like Nelson said, banking is only the most important business in the world. They're incredibly profitable. It yeah. is not by chance. And and there's a lot of people. I mean, we've got we have some great clients slash friends that have have gotten random texts. Man, the bank's evil. Right. <laughs> and you know, right. like you know, you'd hear Nelson say those things. I just try not to let that stuff bother me. But it's um, if you're a business owner and the bank's got a gun to your head, they're gonna win. They're yeah. coming after you, right? And it's heavy and it, and it's uh, burdensome. All right. So, what if there was an alternative bank for mm -hmm. loans that actually you designed in lines of credit? But with this bank, there's some, there's some advantages. There's tax benefits. The loan terms are flexible and you actually decide those. It pays a lot more interest and dividends to you, this bank, right? And you control it. You have liquidity, use, and control. Mm. Now, nor normally that's what the bank has. Yeah. Right? So what could be, what could be a, an objection to this bank? um i don't know you you, you got to be in charge I, I i don't know it sounds peaceful yeah. to me well it does sound peaceful so like let's say in this bank by the way nobody's ever going to try to collect any money from you yeah is that kind of crazy nobody's going to put a gun to your head nobody's going to have the hammer over your head okay so, what, so when you want a loan from this you don't ask for it you tell them right yeah because you are in control of the bank yeah right? You've become your own banker. So All right. So here's what some people would say, Nick, is they would say, but when I put my money in a commercial bank, it's protected. Hmm. It's insured. 
And they look at 2008 and 2009 when these banks had a lot of problems and they say, look, you know, I'm going to be okay. They're going to take care of me. They're going to make sure I get my money. But they have to read the laws, right? And And basically, we've said no more. So you read you 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 were up last night reading the Dodd Frank Act, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the it was the, uh, yeah. Basically, what it said in there, you know, people got fed up after '08. Like, you just have a conversation with someone. They're like, "Oh, we bailed out the banks." Well, what the Dodd Frank Act says? Basically, we're not going to bail out the banks with the with the U.S. tax dollar money again. Yeah, now, is it possible? Sure, but that's not what the act says. They're not going to. Yeah. And so what you're going to lay out here is, hey, the consequences of that not happening. Yeah. But Nick, $88 billion is a lot of money in the FDIC reserve, right? Right. (laughs) But guess what, Nick? It's backing up the total deposits. Now, by the way, these are older numbers. These are from 2017. But the total U.S. bank deposits insured $7.1 trillion. So that (laughs) means a little bit more than 1% is insured is yeah. uh are, are you confident that you'd be in that one little bit more than one percent so so basically here's what dodd frank said it, it, it said hey when you are a stockholder of the bank or you're yeah. a depositor of the bank you are an unsecured creditor that's right and, and so just know that while in 08 no banks became insolvent because they were able to to bail them out if the laws followed and banks became insolvent, some banks became insolvent in the next banking crisis, there's not going to be a bailout. So guess who they turn to? They turn to, uh, you know, most of us don't own a bank, but a commercial bank. So the depositors, were the we're going to be the ones holding the empty bag. They're the creditors, right? And so, you know, here's the thing that I think about. Okay, so this alternative bank that we're talking about is obviously infinite banking and and infinite banking concept discovered by R. Nelson Nash. And the thing that's cool about it is we can't get in trouble, but we can use it in the same way, right, as the commercial bank. Now, it does take time and it does take coaching. And, um, you know, Nick, um, I think that's, probably enough for chapter one. But yeah. if, if this intrigues you to want to have a meeting and discover how you can either use this in your business or become and start thinking like a business owner, which everybody who's listening to this podcast needs to do, go to createtailwind.com. There's a button there to schedule a, um, a meeting and hit that button, watch the videos, um, go to our YouTube channel, Create Tailwind, um, and 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 really start to open up your mind to this. Because as business owners, we don't go out and buy instruments like mutual funds and and you know, Wall Street investments. We buy assets. Okay, assets, businesses could be real estate, etc. But this alternative bank. That's what we're telling you to buy and to set up and to use and to grow. And as you do that, you're going to grow your life, your family's life, and your business if, in, if you're in another business as well. But to go back to the beginning, you need to be in two businesses 
as Nelson always said, the business that you're in and the banking business. Nick, any famous last words? No, I just want to say thank you for sharing that. Hey, uh, go, like I said uh, earlier, go to infinitebanking.org, get yourself a copy of the case for IBC. Fantastic. Uh, also, uh, Carlos Laura and uh, Dr. Murphy have their own uh, podcast called the the Laura uh, what was the the uh, Laura Murphy Show. Um, they also have a thing called the uh, Laura Murphy Report, uh, which you can get some of those uh, uh, articles from us. Just reach out to us if there's anything you want to see. But I just want to thank them for putting together this. Uh, this this great little book and uh, we'll do our best to share it over the this coming series absolutely and this this uh this graph that's on the video carlos laura actually draws this freehand in <laughs> during the meeting and um and we had somebody create this nick and uh carlos really liked it uh, he said, I don't use slides because I said, I need those <laughs> slides because this is so important. This message is so important. And yeah. every business owner that we work with, we show them this. So um, um, I'm really excited to dive further into the book as well. I really thank everybody that wrote the book. And, and Carlos, thank you for letting us use your, uh, your uh, drawing here and uh, making it a PowerPoint, which it's one of my favorite PowerPoints because it's so direct and clean. So yeah. it doesn't look clean right there, but as it builds, it is. So sure. Nick, um, all right. You. you know, one of the things that as a business owner we do is we break away from the herd. And anybody that stays in the herd, nothing good happens in the herd, right? It's <laughs> kind of like nothing good happens in the hood nothing good happens in the herd only the dead gonna... fish go with the flow man that's right dead fish go with the flow i think we'll wrap it up on that nick thank you for being here until thank next you. time audience break away want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms we'd love to help go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation